This season, we are proud to be collaborating with Puma, our firm friends in championing the culture. Puma has been at the vanguard of so many awesome happenings over the last decade, so it was only natural that we joined forces with them to keep you in the loop with all the scene happenings. From their inspiring select sessions and select stories, to their cutting-edge unique collabs and the many more that they have in the pipeline, Rest assured that this season we'll be bringing you all the breaking Puma news hot off the press, with a sneaky giveaway or two thrown in for good measure. So remember to follow at Puma South Africa on Instagram and enjoy. Hashtag for all time. Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to a singer and songwriter whose creativity knows no bounds, and her constant and consistent reinvention and innovation is something that I am in awe of daily. With her debut album, Rose Gold, she single-handedly spearheaded a new wave of pop and R&B in South Africa. And over the last few years, she's gone on to add entrepreneur to her list of achievements, executing two successful editions of her female-focused festival, Rose Fest. I am, of course, talking about Shekinah Tundi Donnell, better known to us simply as Shekinah. Shekinah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the words of affirmation. Oh my God. It's only a pleasure. I am a massive fan and we have nothing but love for you on Text Talk. So I'm super, super excited that we can finally do this. But even though you released Rose Gold in late 2017, like you were the hot topic on everybody's minds for various reasons that we'll be unpacking over the course of this conversation. But I want to take things all the way back to little Shekinah growing up in Durban. Yes. What are some of your earliest memories of interacting with music as a child? So definitely um, my first interaction with music was kind of my mother. My mother was like an artist. She is a priest now, but all-around artist, um, interested in absolutely everything. And I just was so lucky to grow up in a like a super multicultural home, um, which means I was exposed to all sorts of types of music Mm. and honestly the first song that I can remember is Can't Take My Eyes Off of You by Frankie I think it's Valley Frankie Valley yes Frankie Valley and I always like say okay it's not the Lauren Hill version obviously we bumped that too but like (laughs) like obviously but it was just this specific version that is my actual like first childhood memory of music And then from there, it goes to Spice Girls and primary school wanting the Spice Shoes. And then it goes to... um, Which which Spice Girl were you? Scary Spice, obviously. (laughs) No, man. Obviously (laughs) Scary Spice. Um, And then Mel B, because she was like the best singer. So I was like, oh my God, I want to be beautiful and have a beautiful big afro, but I also want to be the best singer. So it was like Mel B and Scary Spice were my favorite um, Spice Girls growing up. And I think from there, it just became everyone. Aaliyah was like the next, Tamiya actually, not Aaliyah, was first Tamiya and then Aaliyah. So I kind of had like 
an array of R&B and like old school and pop. So uh, growing up in the Donnell home was like, yeah, just a multi mess. Uh, okay, so that's the way that you pronounce it. It's Donnell and not Donnell. Yes, Donnell, Donnell. Sorry. Okay, okay, you're schooling me. Now I know. I'm now sorry, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. When we get to my name, th- yeah, that's a whole yes, nother. Yes, tell us. <laughs> Oh my, okay. So Tex is my nickname and okay. it has been my nickname since, since school, but my real name is Tekla. So oh, Tekla wow. is easy enough, but then spelling? the spelling, exactly. So it's T-E-C-L-A. Uh, a lot of people spell it with a K. Okay, but I always uh, spelled it like that. Yeah, I mean, I, thank you. But then, <laughs> but then you get to, then you get to my surname. Okay, I'm scared. Which is, is. Cholfi, so so it's Italian, um, and it's not a long, complicated Italian surname. It's one of those short, sweet Italian surnames. But Cholfi is very difficult to spell because of uh, the letters in uh, in the alphabet. It, phonetically, in Italian, the C and I make a ch sound like a chicken. Oh no. so, so it's the I. Yes, so you spell it C I O L F I. So my entire life. Uh, it's been Siolfi. It's been oh, yeah, Siolfi. <laughs> some people don't even look at the spelling, and they just they just change it to Chelsea. Oh no! <laughs> so it's been very interesting. So Donnell, that's great. Now I know. Yeah. Tell sorry. me, tell me a little bit about the Donnell family dynamic. Did you have? Do you have siblings, or, or were you an only child? What was it like growing up? Growing up in the Donnell, 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 so it is Donnell. I just say Donnell. It is definitely Donnell. Um, Growing up in the Donnell household was really cool. Um, I had lots of siblings. There was definitely like four of us. And at times there were six of us. My parents had fostered two children, um, had two children of their own, and then adopted myself and my brother. Oh, wow. Busy household. Six of us. So there was. So there was so much happening. And I think we had God brothers and sisters um, and kids in the neighborhood. We lived in a flat. So um, we were lucky enough to play with everyone that lived on every floor. So growing up in the Donnell house was fun. Um, my mom at the beginning of her career, before she became a full-time um, a priest and a theologian, she was just a mom. So that was really cool. So we got to paint, we got to sing got to do ballet, we got to dance, we got to bake. Um, so growing up in the Donnell house was just raucous, I think. And what was your high school experience like? Because, I mean, I went to an all-girls school, and, like, even though the school was amazing, like, there were times in high school that were pretty rough. Like, how was growing up and your school experience in Durban? Growing up in and school was a bit, yeah, high school was a bit weird. Um yeah, high school's weird because people have their own opinions of you and expectations of you. And I felt like there was all these expectations um, of me. But then I was like, no, I actually am this person and I don't do this and I do that and I don't do that. So high school, I think everyone was super confused with what my vibe was. <laughs> but mm. um, it was also cool in a way that there was a whole lot of people that don't fit, you know, general narratives. So... We ended up having a little corner to ourselves and <laughs> we called ourselves the home <laughs> because oh it was gosh. just a multitude of us that like whenever anyone didn't have a friend or whenever people felt like they didn't fit in in their respected groups, we all kind of sat together. Um, and then I was on Idols in high school. so. 
then that also became really cool because then everyone really liked me. So I had conquered that. So <laughs> that school was interesting. I can imagine because you entered Idols for the first time when you were in grade 11 and then you made it all the way to the top 32, I think it was. And and I'm I'm sure that like getting that far in a competition when Idols was still at its peak, like I'm sure all of a sudden everyone's queuing up to be your friend now. <laughs> yeah, maybe not queuing up, just everyone was cool with me all of a sudden. I was like, we're cool now, yay. But then, like the tenacious person that I know you are, you go back to Idols for a second time the following year for season eight. She stands out for me out of everyone as, as my favorite. The way that you told that story was perfection reincarnate. And you make it all the way to the top six, which is huge. What made you go back the second time after already having come pretty far the first time? Um, I feel like I am like I'm a sucker for pain. So I'm a sucker for like wanting to get things right, you know. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm like, oh, really? I, I wasn't good enough. Let me show you that I am good enough. Um, so it was that energy of just always wanting to do better than I'd done before. And honestly, it's that energy that carries me through most of the years. It's like, you know, it's not, it's like I always have to do something different or make sure that this year, I, last year I did an online festival. The year before I did a physical festival and mm. that was crazy. And then the year before we released an album or the year before we toured. So every year I always try and do something different. And I think with Idols, it was just like a mountain that I was so desperate to to climb and eventually I did so um I'm that type of person yeah you had a pretty legit year of people in idols that year I mean you had Dominic Neal who yes. like went went on to release that gigantic song with DJ Kent love Ooh. you still and then you had Chloe Kylie who's actually a very good friend of mine love Chloe. Like, like some proper talent came out of that show in that year yes would you would you say that competitions like that still launch careers in the same way in this country like they did back then? Definitely. I think it's not really about what the competition can do for you. It's really about what you take from the competition. So mm. um, I just was so grateful to have the experience of being a full-time artist, even if it was for four weeks. Um, you, you kind of get to get an understanding of how to map your day. So it's like, you know, being in the Idol's house, we had song, we had vocal training, then we had performance, then we shopped for outfits, and then we um, worked on our performance. We had a rehearsal, and then Sunday night was the show. So my life ended up being, like, kind of routine like that. I go to vocal training on Thursday. I look for my outfit before the gig during the week, and I, things have been very, like, parallel, honestly. Mm. Not only music, but performance as well has always been a very big part of your life and I know that you performed in the musical Hairspray yeah. at the Elizabeth Sneddon Theatre in Durban which is a pretty famous theatre in South Africa with a great reputation locally Thank and internationally. So glad yeah. you know that. Was, was theatre and acting something that you thought you might pursue or was music always the goal? Um, I honestly... Music was always something I really loved to do. I, if there was anything I was, I wanted to work hard at and, and do better at was ballet. 
and dancing but I mean like things just got weird my boobs got super big I got super big puberty took over and I ended up it kind of forced me to going into choir and going into choir that's when everyone was auditioning for school plays and like theater and then I fell in love with theater and I fell in love with like the thrill of auditioning and the thrill of working hard to get a part and a role and um yeah and then from there I learned that it was very difficult for me to fit into the characters that I was required to play or everything was super soprano and I'm, I'm much of an alto or low voice girl and I think that's what pushed me into doing covers um, because I could rework the cover into a way that like fit me and my voice and wasn't like Beyonce level or whatever so mm. I think from there onwards after Idols I was like okay well I have the opportunity to make my own songs and make them in a way that serves me and that's when I fell in love with music because I felt like I couldn't do music the way that everyone else did it I had to figure out a way to do it best way I could and then while you were studying your live performance degree at AFTA you dropped a small song just a small song called back to the beach yes tiny (laughs) just a tiny one and like it completely blows up uh, also, shout out uh, Kyle Deitch. Let's not forget about him because yes, he was uh, a, <laughs> a very prominent part of that track as well. And I mean, that track, Shekinah, that track was everywhere. Like, what's going through your mind as you see the song just growing exponentially and everyone's picking up what you're putting down? Are you like, oh my God, this is so crazy? Like, what's happening? Or are you like, oh my God, finally? Um, I... I was, I didn't think that would happen. <laughs> it was the first time I re- I had like recorded and finished a song where we were pushing it. I had made songs before and, and stuff, but not with the intention of ever releasing it. So mm. that was the first time something like that had happened to me. Um, and I didn't expect anything that happened. So that was just like a huge blessing and honestly walking in ignorance and like, <laughs> Just being like, I want to sing about how much school's stressing me. So I'm grateful for that experience. That really knocked me out. Was that what that song was about? About school stressing you? Yeah, it was about going to school and just feeling like, oh, I didn't fit in. And like, yeah. And I just want to go back to the beach, man. 100%. And then after you drop what was just an organic collaboration, you and Kyle and Sketchy Bongo go back into studio and you write, let you know. Which, I mean, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Let You Know is probably one of the best pop songs to come out of South Africa oh, in the last yay. 10 years. No, legit. Like, I mean, I used to work for the streaming service Deezer and every time I had to make a playlist or every time I had to make like a top 10 anything, that song was always Thank on it. Thank you. No, legit. And then I remember the year that it came out, like Let You Know and then also Back to the Beach. Like every end of year list, every top 10, like you were always like top streamed. It was just crazy. But when you think about Let You Know specifically now, what are your feelings towards that track? Like maybe when you think about it or, you know, when you hear it in line at Woolworths or something. 
when I hear it in line, I think I'm so proud of like my honesty. Um, um, yeah, I just look back at, at, at the lyrics that I used to write back then. I'm like, she's, those were very honest and open, <laughs> very vulnerable lyrics. Obviously, you know, laced under pop beats and with pop production mm. and mixing and mastering. Um, it becomes super vibey, but I'm, I'm so proud of myself for being, um, open to like open to sharing with people because I think the older I got, the more closed off I got, um, and not wanting to share music. So I think with let you know, when I listen to that song now, I'm like, wow, I was really open about, about my feelings back then. Really? Do you feel like the older you get, the more you're not willing to let anybody in or the more you're just sort of hyper-focused on what you're doing? Yeah, I think the more, the older you get, the more like you're like, oh no, I'm not going to share, I'm not going to share this or this is personal. I think growing up, you know, there's just so much ignorance. You don't really know how many people something's going to reach. And now you're like, okay, well, if I do say this, this could potentially reach a couple people. So yeah. Mm. But then it must be a really beautiful experience and a beautiful feeling and and very rewarding when you put something out and you don't necessarily know how it's going to be received and then all of a sudden it like blows up yeah that's a blessing honestly and that's not often that's not a regular experience so when it has happened it's just been so great i'd i'd love for you to tell me what your experience was like when you put out suited because i mean that's a very special track like one of the one of the like most iconic off rose gold but how how did you feel that that track was received when you put that out i thought i thought it was received so much better than i thought it would um i played suited for a lot of people before i dropped it because i was just like does this sound weird um does this sound okay is this and everyone was like this is really dope you should drop this and i remember having a meeting with my label and playing them all the songs I wanted on the album and then I didn't have suited there and then I was like well I got this beat mm. and I wrote this song and then I played the beat and I sang also another sign that I was super confident and young because I would never do that now but I just played the beat on my phone and I sang the song and, and my label manager was like yeah that's the one like, and then I was like cool then I'll go work on it and then I spent about a couple months working on suited and ended up being the single and um, I didn't expect people to actually like that song because it seemed a bit silly mm. after the success of your first two singles you mentioned your your record label you signed to sony music who yeah. you're still signed to and i mean i i sort of guess that the pressure is on to create a great album you know that lives up to these two huge singles that you know you've been a part of and then suddenly you have these deadlines to meet and you're in studio Talk to me about being newly signed to a label and working under that pressure and if it affected your recording process at all. It didn't really because it was a licensed deal. I kind of felt like, you know, I just wanted to give them a good product that they could sell. Um, that was my job was really just to give them something that they could work with and I just wanted to impress them. So, um, yeah, I don't think it was like, I don't think I felt much pressure. Just the pressure that I felt was really like we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know. We didn't know mm. we had never made an album before. And I think that's the same thing that happened with Trouble in Paradise. It's like we've only done this once before. 
like we don't really have the skills to do this, you know? So, yeah. But there's that freedom that comes with like not having done this before and it's super uncharted territory and you're kind of going into it blindly. A hundred percent. And I think um, that's what we hold on to. <laughs> it's like, cool, we can do whatever we want. Like as long as we're trying and we, we're being real about it. You know, you mentioned that you played suited for your label manager and she was like, this is the one. We have a mutual friend in Jade Leaf who used to work for Sony Music and... Jade uh, is my favorite. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, you were her artist and she was your label manager and she's an absolute star. Um, And we both know that, like, she's a powerhouse. But for people who don't, explain what working along someone like Jade can do to boost positive morale, but also, you know, your career. Working with Jade was honestly, oh, I'm so weird. I don't even, we don't even have time to talk about Jade. (laughs) We don't. (laughs) No, I just feel like um, Jade was just one of those people that I feel like no matter what I, where I went in my life, I was always going to cross paths with her. She's such a special person to me. Um, I feel like I, I was always meant to meet her and I think even in this process now, finishing this album, although she no longer works um, at Sony um, or even at the music uh, channels um, anymore, um, she's done nothing but encourage me about my process and, you know, and, and and motivated or just reassured me that, like, the process is the process and it's different for everyone. And it's so important to keep people around you like that because at the mm. end of the day, the you have to stay committed to whatever it is that you're doing and what you love. Um, and there's so many things that want to pull you away from, you know, doing what it is that you think you're, or that you feel drawn to. Um, and then there's people around you that continue to like rally for you and um, lift you up when you're feeling down. And I think Jade is definitely one of those people for me that stay motivated me and saying, boo, we're all going to love it. Like when, when it's out, it's out. Don't rush it because when it's out, it's out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and those are words that I needed to hear. I can actually hear her saying that, like, boo, like, yeah, like boo, it's out, it's out. <laughs> you know, I said it in the beginning and I'll say it again, Shekinah, like Rose Gold was the start of a new era of music in this country. And you laid the foundation for a whole bunch of singers in this new um neo soul trap wave that we've got going on like for these singers to come and do their thing and like rose gold killed it the year it was released and you got six summer nominations and you won three it was for let me see if i can remember album of the year best female artist and best newcomer and like things just seemed like crazy like your life seemed crazy do you remember that period very clearly or like is everything just a little bit of a blur Oh, it's definitely a blur, babe. Yeah, it's definitely a blur. But um, a beautiful blur because I just remember all these special things happening to me and just, um, yeah, a beautiful blur. Obviously, I felt like I was just running through the moments, um, but definitely a beautiful blur. And, you know, there are a lot of people who say, you know, it's just an honor to be nominated. <laughs> but when you <laughs> really but, <is. laughs> but winning, but actually winning and walking away with the trophy, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just a very competitive person, but like <laughs> but like I'm like, I won when I won something. <laughs> look, I won. <laughs> exactly. But I'm sure that like that validation of, you know, 
being nominated, being in this incredible group of women or artists, and then actually, you know, walking away, having achieved something or having won something, it must like do wonders to spur you on and to motivate you. Definitely. Um, definitely. Uh, with a hint of imposter syndrome, I guess. <laughs> uh, but um m- most of the time it's 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 really a driving force it's like you've you've done this before you've done it before you've achieved so much before um don't let anything stop you from thinking you can't achieve anything mm. else you know and that's just not even music related that's that's with everything else when even when it comes to rose fest or anything it's like you've been able to achieve things before like achieving is something that you are passionate about in every sense, you know, of achieving. So I'm grateful for my achievements because they motivate me in many other, like, aspects of my life other than music. You mentioned Rose Fest. This is Rose Fest. This is Shekinah's living dream brought to reality. And today we are making history and all of you are part of it. That's what makes it so special. And I want to talk about Rose Fest because at the time of you releasing... Uh, Rose Gold and all of these incredible things happening to you. Not only are you one of the most streamed artists in Africa at the time, not South Africa, Africa, like the whole continent, but then you go on to start up Rose Fest and, you know, you just casually add festival organizer to your CV. But what sparked the idea to create a festival celebrating the power of woman, the power of she? Um. It was definitely my, like, a lot of experience being in the industry before having Rose Fest and realizing that the festival curators were all male and 80% of the lineup was male. Um, I always say, like, I never really wanted to reinvent the wheel. I just wanted to add to the spokes. I wanted to allow the audience to experience something different every year. We all have our staple festivals that we want to attend whether it's major league gardens whether it's fill up the dome whether it's mm. Joburg day whether it's kfm day whether it's 5fm east coast radio you know we all have certain things in the calendar that we don't miss and i just wanted rose fest to be one of them and in having them and having rose fest as one of those festivals that you bookmark yearly to attend you also know that you're supporting 80 percent women um and that was really just what i wanted to give to the people you know, normally with events like Rose Fest, it's common to have an all-female lineup, but not a female crew. And I was very interested to learn that that's what you wanted to do with Rose Fest in terms of a crew as well. What was your thinking behind that decision? Um, I really had a lot of help from my team when it came to making that decision because I think my normal crew and my normal team is like very male-oriented um, and I was with people that were like, we need to start some sort of program in the sound companies that we do use regularly where they have a female internship so that the crew that's working is fully female and the assist crew is all male. And obviously the assist crew would be people that were more experienced. And yeah. we found out, you know, in, in experimenting and workshopping with that, we found out that the woman had never gotten the opportunity to be forefront mm. of a running live real festival that's so sad which which is which is sad it's just a reality i mean yeah so i think from there onwards with that with that idea really being initiated by the team that i was working with um i think at quite creative um 
I realized that we needed to make sure that we constantly had a majority female team and crew and tech as much as we could. So when we did our digital festival, we had a female that we had a female lighting, lighting. We had female this, we had female that, and um, I think it's beautiful because women uh, we seldom get the opportunity to be in the forefront, you know, um, just with anything that we do, um, and even in the background, you know, it's the same with my album. I have no female music producers or female engineers working on the project which i know that is something i want to change going forward Mm. when i read about the fact that the the crew for rose fest was an an all-female crew or majority female crew the first thing that sprung into my mind was it must have been quite difficult to source a female crew. And, you know, like you said now, females in that line of work don't normally get the opportunity. You know, they're always um, the the intern or they're, you know, working under a man. And I think that what you did by incorporating that into Rose Fest is you're giving back and you're laying a foundation for women that have never had that opportunity before. So Rose Fest is, uh, it's so groundbreaking in so many different ways. But in 2020, after your first edition in 2019, that was, I mean, incredibly successful. 2020, obviously, we all know what happened. (laughs) My fellow South Africans. (laughs) I.e. pandemic and lockdown. Um, And you decide to take the second edition of Rose Fest digital. And apart from the music experience, Rose Fest 2020 was eight weeks of open discussions with women prompting conversations about body image and gender-based violence and and bias in the workplace and anxiety. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, how, How important is it how important was it for you to participate in these conversations and to educate other women on this platform and to have those discussions be a part of Rose Fest for the first time? Oh, it was super important. Um, I think if there's anything that I love doing besides singing and eating is talking. Um, so <laughs> it was it was so beautiful to introduce that um that new new aspect of Rose Fest. But in the same breath, I felt like we needed a platform to communicate and to chat um, and to chat about the things that really um, irk us, bother us, struggle, we struggle with. Um, I also knew that Rose Fest, we were trying to do something in the middle of a pandemic and it was important to address the pandemic. So the talks were definitely our way of addressing the pandemic, but also in the same breath, um, addressing issues that were bring brought to the light, um, especially for myself, me being super anxious and, um, you know, just feeling like an imposter and all sorts of things. It was beautiful to talk amongst other, wo- other women and hear where they came from and what they were experiencing and just not feel so alone in everything that's happening. Um, and I hope that we continue to do the talks again this year. It's just such a, a big thing to put together as small as these things end up looking online and just cutely packaged and, you know, small audiences being reached. Obviously, I think the more we talk and the more we stay consistent at having these chats, the bigger the conversation can grow. Um, so I'm very excited for Rose Fest. 
extending itself online um, as well as extending itself to um, having conversations, open conversations with women and with everyone else. Um, Yeah. You know, you say it's a small thing, but my belief is if you reach one person and you educate one person, then it's a job well done. Then you've done your thing. But I want to go back because you said that you like eating and yes. you're my you're my people because I'm yes. Italian and food is life. <laughs> food is life. So so tell me what what is your favorite cuisine? Wow, what is my favorite cuisine? My my favorite cuisine is definitely Indian food. Mm, yum. Yeah. Yum yum yum. Nothing comes I was, above that. Then Mexican. I was actually talking um, to my boyfriend before this, and I was saying, "Should we get curry or should we get Thai for dinner?" Curry, and he was like, oh, "Yeah, de- yeah." He was like, "There's not even like, uh, uh, it's not even a competition. Like, obviously, yeah, obviously, obviously, it's curry, curry, babe." And then, what's your favorite restaurant in Joburg? I feel like you know the good curry spots. Okay, so there's no good curry spots in Durban. No, I know, right? But wait, but wait, but wait. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there is an amazing singer by the name of uh, Nazreen. Um, mm-hmm. And I only know her as a musician. And then the one day I put a status up and I'm like, guys, I'm tired of this. Where can I get good curry in Joburg? And someone was like, don't you know Nazreen sells curry as well? And I was like, you must be kidding. So there's a place <laughs> in Joburg. Right, my mind was blown. So there's a place in Joburg called Roti Hub. And um, they do online deliveries and they do personal catering and so from then onwards, I just fell in love with Nazreen. I had her on my birthday, at my photo shoots, at uh, whatever we're shooting, we have curry <laughs> on set. Oh um, my so gosh. We've got to order from also these small um, local businesses because they actually taste amazing. Yeah. Um, you're going to give me her number after this. Definitely. It's going to pop me a line. Oh my gosh. But I want to talk about the gap, right, between Rose Gold and now your upcoming album, Trouble in Paradise, because you've grown a lot as a person. Your fan base has grown. You've grown. It's been four or five years in between albums. What are we going to discover about you in your upcoming album that has maybe happened to you over the last four or five years with you having grown? Jeez. Um, I'm not like 100, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think... I think it's just a, an ongoing story, like, which I'm so excited to continue, you know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it doesn't stop a Trouble in Paradise. But um, I think Trouble in Paradise is just the idea of things not being so rosy anymore. And it's just the removal of the rose-tinted shades. <laughs> um, because sometimes I think we wear a veil. Um, and that was my college life, just like ignorantly, blissfully going through everything. And eventually the veil comes off, the sunglasses come off and you face reality. So I think Trouble in Paradise is just basically me opening up to the the realities of my situations with friends, with lovers, with um, old relationships with, with my city, with Joburg not being my city anymore, Joburg not being paradise anymore for me. Um, I think that's really what it is. And I feel like Trouble in Paradise is unended. You know, it would be so beautiful for me to be able to conclude that story. Um, Yeah. One of the two singles that you released uh, in the run-up to Trouble in Paradise was Fixate. And then you also dropped a very, very cool uh, short film as well for it on Valentine's Day. And 
to me, fixate is a very moving exploration of your past self, almost like you're witnessing yourself moving forward into the new, while at the same time, you're acknowledging the person that you used to be. And, and, you know, it hasn't been the easiest of times for people lately, but what kind of space do you feel like you are in right now? Right now, um, yes, fixate was definitely like this understanding of like, oh my gosh, I need to fixate on you more. I need to be a team player for myself more. Um, and I need to learn how to love myself more um, and not let myself crash. I'm just reciting lyrics at this point. But um, <laughs> I, I think the space that I'm in now is just like, it's just learning and unlearning text, like, learning and unlearning learning and unlearning learning this and then making the same mistake again and then unlearning it and then making the same mistake and then getting to a space where it's like okay 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 i've been burned i've said everything you know paradise has been set on fire and you know sometimes it feels like you've burnt all your bridges and mm. you know so that's where i have been in trouble in paradise but i'm on the other side of that now um so things there's a lot more hope and excitement and just wanting to explore everything and try and do as much as I possibly can um, with my life and with my time. So I'm in this space where I want to do everything and, you know, I'm in the middle of, of many things but still trying to do Rose Fest and, you know, going to see fashion show tonight and then before seeing a fashion show, I'm having a conversation with Tex and, you know, before then, I'm engaging with people, um, which is not something that I'm used to doing. I'm usually a homebody and not really open um, to chat. Uh, so I think I'm just so grateful to be out of the troubled paradise um, that was making the album and figuring out where where to from here and what defines me as a person. Is it rose gold? Is it your mm. eyes? Is it back to the beach? Or is it who I am inside? And how do I find that? And that was like the whole story behind Troubled Paradise is just really, you know, having your identity and so many other people besides yourself um, and then kind of being left alone with the person that always takes second place, which is yourself. Um, so Troubled Paradise was just me realizing, that, oh, my gosh, I have to focus on myself now and I have to be a team player for myself and I'm beautiful which is how the album ends. Um, the album ends with a track called Beautiful. And it's just the realization that, like, um, why do you seek when you know what you need? You know, love is inside um, of you and not inside the ones who leave or the things that leave. Um, so right now I'm on the other side of understanding that people come and go, um, seasons come and go, and we are, you know, forever changing. Um, yeah. You know... What I thought was really cool, you you debuted your new hairstyle in your short film as well. Yeah. Okay, so firstly, you have a beautiful, a beautifully shaped Thank head, right? You. Oh, my God. And I'm sure Thank so you. many people are jealous of it. But, like, how Can cathartic. Oh, my God. Uh, firstly, <laughs> no. Firstly, no. <laughs> Secondly, I've got two. So I said to my mother the one day, I was like, okay. Because, you know, I think it was. I think it was like after Charlize shaved off all her hair Legend. or something. And then I was like, oh my God, but I mean, it's Charlize. She's like one of the most really? beautiful women in the world. And I said to my mother, I was like, you know, I feel like I might have a really good shaped head. Like, should, could I? And she was like, you could, but you have two 
gigantic bright red birthmarks on oh, your head. No so more. you probably you probably shouldn't. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, thank you for telling me before I went ahead and did that. But like, I'm just reminding you. Oh my! I mean, thank, thanks, mommy. Shout out, shout out, Mama Tex. But like, I'm I'm assuming that the the what's the word I'm looking for? The symbolism of shaving off all of your hair. It's like very cathartic mm-hmm. and very symbolic of like, okay, I'm shedding the old and it's like mm-hmm. in with the new mm-hmm. and I'm going forward. Like, how did it make you feel? And did you do it on camera or did you do it before? Uh, I did it before camera. Um, okay. I had it a few weeks before camera. So I had to shave it again before. I, I shaved it a lot of times. I was actually really enjoying shaving my head. And having a bald scalp is just so freeing, I guess. Um, I'll never know. Oh, <laughs> please, join us. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just like about, okay, what makes me beautiful? Because, excuse me, I just spend so much time always being on stage, always having weave on, always having makeup on. And then you get to lockdown where you're not required to be anywhere or be sure. anyone. And all of a sudden I wasn't in full makeup and that had become my identity. That's like who I identified Shekinah with. And then I realized like, okay, I really have to separate who I am as a person and who I am as an artist, um, a brand, um, not really mm-hmm. as an artist, as an artist, I'm me. But I think as a brand that people see and identify and people um, engage with, it's just so many different layers to it. So shaving my hair was me saying, no, I'm not beautiful with my, my hair is not what makes me beautiful. Makeup is not what makes me beautiful. My weight is not what makes me beautiful. Um, and also just letting go of, of, of how much I relied on, on that narrative of my hair making me beautiful and, and braids being a signature for me. I wanted mm. to change my signature. Mm. Well, Shekinah, I just wanted to say thank you very much for joining me on Text Talks today. And, you know, for somebody, like you said, who's not like 100% comfortable with being out there and doing interviews, you're so eloquent. And uh, I've enjoyed every second of this. And I just want to wish you all the success for the release of your second album. I'm sure. I'm sure that I'm going to be seeing it on every top 10, top 20 and top 50 very soon. I hope so. Thank you so much for your time, Tex. And thank you for your platform and thank you for sharing it with me. Open up to me like the sea I can see like the beach Come on, come To my knees on repeat Rescue me I get too deep I don't swim as well as I think I can I need you to Hold my hand I need you to Understand just who I am And where it is that I stand Who I am and I'm drowning, I'm drowning in my surrounding. Don't want no one else around.
to Shekinah for joining us in studio. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Be sure to check out texttalks.com for more episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms. Also, a huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store, for being the most incredible technical supplier. From myself, Tex, our producers, Jonathan Engs and Matthew Lewitz, and our research assistant, Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side. 